Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Today's episode was written and recorded on the lands of the Barkindji. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. From wherever you're listening, right across Australia, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm Megan Williams. Can you hear that? What does it sound like? If you said the trickles of the first flows to enter Lake Menindee in five years, you'd be right. Only a week ago, Lake Menindee was bone dry. But as river flows in southern Queensland and northern New South Wales come gushing down the Barwon-Darling-Barker rivers, this lake is returning to a diverse and thriving wetland. Today on Earth Matters, we hear from Kate McBride of Talano Station and researcher at the Australia Institute about the significance of this event and what threatens the ongoing recovery of this lake system. And later on the show, we hear from Tuesday Brow about the Darling Barker Convoy, a community action that's been making its way down the river from Menindee to Wentworth. First, I got Kate to explain where all the water flowing into Menindee is coming from. So, of course, we saw um, a lot of flooding occurring in the upper catchment um, weeks and weeks ago and also incredible rainfalls that were occurring further up in the catchment. And so um, all of these flows that are coming down the Darling Barker are sort of a mix of all of that happening in the, all the different tributaries um, of the Darling Barker. It's a massive system, so um, they're all sort of just coming together, which is incredible to see. We're seeing um, flooding occurring below the um, below Burke. Uh, Tilpa's last I heard was expected to reach about 12 metres, so incredible. Um, a lot of the time, in particular the last few months, we've heard the damage that flooding can do, and of course it can do that. But what we have to remember is that the, the rivers of Australia, and particularly the Murray-Darling Basin, they can't just be considered like a pipeline or an irrigation channel. They're a living, breathing ecosystem. So water going up over the floodplains is so important to actually keep them alive. So all of this water is coming down, and as you said, the gates were open into... Lake Menindee um, last week, which is the first time they've received flows in about five years. So absolutely incredible to see. And um, I think over the next few weeks and months, we're really going to see that part of Australia just come alive, not just um, the wildlife and the birds, but also the community of Menindee, the, the um, tourism that it will bring out. So many people are excited to see water back in these lakes. Um, so it really it just breathes life into the environment, but also the communities down there too. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll just do, before we get really stuck into the lakes, a little refresher for everyone that can get a bit confused about the whole basin itself. You know, you talk about these tributaries, like what kind of rivers do we have up there and what kind of like, where are they traversing and, you know, how do those rivers kind of come together to create the flows that come down the Darling Barker? 
Yeah, so it's a really complex system. Um, of course, we always hear about the Murray River and the Darling River, but there's all these other little um Little, smaller rivers um, known as tributaries that sort of bleed into these. And it really is, if you look at it on a map, it's a bit like a set of lungs. It's like these um, these smaller rivers um, spread out over um, further up in particularly um, northern New South Wales and Queensland, and they all sort of slowly come together and then the Darling becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then it's essentially the Darling starts at Burke. Um, the Barwon Darling's, of course, above that, but the Darling sort of really is considered to start at Burke essentially. And then that flows down um, past townships like Tilpa and Louth and Wilcannia, and eventually it hits Menindee, and that's where the lakes are, um, this massive lake system. So it really is. Um, I've always explained the Darling and the Murray River a bit like a set of lungs where there are two sets of lungs. Um, but, yeah, it's really it's all about those tributaries further up um, that really bring that water down into the catchment. And the lake system, the Menindee Lake system, breaks off from the river channel and fills when there's periods of high flow coming down the Darling. Can you talk to me about the lake system um, and how water kind of traverses through these uh, series of lakes? Yeah, so there's a number of lakes. Um, there's about four or five bigger ones and then we've got a handful of um, smaller ones as well. But as you said, sort of there's one bigger lake that essentially the river channel goes through and then when there's enough water in the system, that actually um, sort of expands out into these other larger lakes and the biggest one is Lake Menindian. So that's the one that we saw open the other day. And what's really important about this is we do hear about the Darling River sort of, you know, having its real like flooding and then um, dry times. But having this lake system here really sort of helps to slow that water as it goes down the catchment. And so this um, this lake system can hold water for about four or five years and supply that water down to the Lower Darling and into the Murray River. Um, and so this is something we're very conscious this time. We're going to have a fair bit of water into the lakes. They're talking um, current predictions are around uh, sort of the peak prediction is about 850 gigalitres. So it's a great deal of water. But we do have a um, responsibility, and this is mainly uh, New South Wales Water and Murray-Darling Basin Authority, to look at how we're managing this and the speed at which we're allowing that water to come down the system. So you talk about how the important thing going forward is going to be the management. Like why were the lakes, why was the Menindee Lake dry until last week? How long had it been dry for? And what needs to be done better this time so that this ecosystem can be supported? Yeah, so it was the first time um, in five years currently that we have water back in Lake Menindee. Um, so really, really important to see that happening. And we have seen report after report show that a lot of the issues that the Lower Darling River has faced, you know, most namely, I suppose, the mass fish kills that we saw back in 2019, this had a lot to do with the management of the lake. So um, when there's water in the lakes, current management techniques were essentially just to drain the lakes right down the system just straight away we don't want to hold lakes in the, the whole water in the system just wash it down which the argument was that the lakes evaporate too much which is so frustrating because evaporations it naturally occurs and it's really important um 
for the whole system. We need to change that. We need to recognise that this isn't just an inefficient system as a lot of government departments choose to um, name it. This is a living, breathing ecosystem and it really is critical, particularly fish breeding. 80% of the golden perch within the whole Murray-Darling Basin come from Menindee Lakes. We actually have more bird species than kakadu, so it's just this sort of haven. It's a bit of an oasis, I always think of it, um, in quite a dry and harsh landscape. All of a sudden you come along this massive lake system which was natural and and the river communities downstream rely on it just as much as the the animals that rely on it do. So changing that idea of it's an inefficient lake system to this is a critical part of the basin um, and we need to look after this really important environmental asset that we've got, that's what has to change and we need to make sure that we're managing um, releases conservatively. For all we know, we could be entering another drought. So making sure there's water there in case that we do. So the lakes themselves, I guess there's two elements to keeping water in them. There's how much water comes into the lakes and how much water comes out of it. So there's managing how, you know, how we allow the releases to be made and how quickly that water is allowed to get sent downstream. But can you talk to me about any of the issues to the protecting small to medium flows in particular and the inflows into the Menindee Lakes? Mm. And this is something that we've been quite vocal about. With the lakes um, filling up at the moment, they're currently at about 29%. That is absolutely incredible to see and we love seeing water in the system. But the reality is that there should be a lot more water in the system right now. Um, There's a lot of people saying that we had two stolen floods that have occurred in the last few months that we just didn't see any water come down. Now, the way to look at it is essentially irrigators have gorged themselves enough further up that finally we're getting sort of the breadcrumbs at the end. We need to make sure that flows are being protected downstream. We continue to see irrigation put before the environment and Menindee Lakes is the perfect representation of this. Um, And particularly when it comes to dry periods. So right now, there's a lot of water in the system. We're getting some. Great. What about when there's not a great deal of water in the system? And that's what's happened for the last five years and probably a few years before that too. Um, It's the small to medium flows that need to be protected to make sure that the Menindee Lakes continue to be topped up. Um, It's great that we've got water in it now, but if we don't get any inflows for a couple of years because it becomes dry again, we're going to be in the same position of fish kills and dry riverbeds that we were, you know, just a year ago, which is really frustrating. And so we need that fundamental policy change at a government level to say we need to protect these flows, we need to make sure that the environment is being looked after. The entire intent of the Murray-Darling Basin Plan, a $13 billion plan, was to protect the environment and recognise that we're taking too much. We continue to take a lot and things like floodplain harvesting keep coming up because that's just taking more than, I mean, people can even imagine how much has been taken by these irrigators. So really just balancing that between environment and irrigators is the most important thing. And what kind of policy changes would you like to see made? So particularly, as you said, the the protection of that small to medium flows, but also changes when it comes to there's current pushes to um, licence floodplain harvesting. If that goes through, that will be the the absolute death of the Darling Barker. That's just a fact. And New South Wales government continues to push that through. Um, But also when it comes to how much irrigators are allowed to take. We're saying at the moment that irrigators can take up to 300% of their licence. When it comes to floodplain harvesting, they can take up to 500% of their licence, which means that if it's been a dry year, the irrigators 
if it's been a dry couple of years, the irrigators might not have taken any water. But when it comes to that five-year mark, and perfect example, this year there's a lot of water in the system, they can take the last five years' worth of their water entitlements, which is just mad. It's destroying that floods, and the floodplains are so important. It's one thing to have water delivered down, but the lower Darling and, you know, the Darling as a whole needs to be seeing these floods come down. So real fundamental changes like that to protect environmental water, but also to further the basin plan. I mean, we've been so stagnant for a number of years now when it comes to water recovery. The state governments, but also the federal government, just don't seem keen to actually get on with the plan. Um, you know, there's meant to be a great deal more water returned by the 2024 deadline, and everyone's just sitting on their hands saying, not our problem right now. So really recovering water and making sure that it's water that's actually flowing down the river and not some sort of made-up water um, that's just being bought by, you know, a politician's mate to get them a couple million dollars is what we really need to see. Yeah, and so I will just clarify one point that um, the licensing process for floodplain harvesting is if they license, well, what they want to license at the moment is to allow that 500% take. Is that, is am I right in thinking that? Um, that, but also how they're going to monitor it. There's a lot of stuff going through at the moment, but the argument from environmental groups is that floodplain harvesting shouldn't be legal at all. And we've actually seen a number of reports from some pretty credible places come out saying that it probably isn't legal. Um, and this is just, once again, the New South Wales government favouring irrigators. We saw a New South Wales ICAC report that stated very clearly that for years, New South Wales government has favoured irrigators over the environment and downstream communities. And floodplain harvesting is a perfect example of that. And is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, like anything you'd like our listeners to really know about this issue and leave this interview coming away with? I suppose the main thing when it comes to Mindy and what I'll always try and talk about is get out there and see it for yourself, guys. This is the most magic time to see the lakes when they're filling, um, but not just for yourself to see it, but support the rural communities. We've been doing it really tough um, throughout COVID, everything that could have been thrown at us, they've been dealing with it, these townships. So if you get the chance, honestly, come out and see it. It is the most magical part of Australia. And I'm not just saying it because it's home. It really is absolutely magic. Um, and yeah, you won't, you won't understand what I'm talking about or why I speak so passionately about it until you've seen it for yourself. And then you'll go, yep, I get it now. <laughs> You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. We've just heard from Kate McBride, fifth-generation grazier from Tolano Station and researcher at the Australia Institute. The water spilling across Lake Menindee is nothing short of spectacular, like seeing a mirage after the lake was desolate for so long. But before these flows ever fell as rain, Someone was organising a community riverboat action to raise awareness about the health of the Darling Barker. She'll introduce herself in a second, but first, you'll have to meet her rather rude friend. What's a pirate say, Russell? That's Tuesday Brow's rescue crow. Tuesday's organised a convoy of hand-built boats to visit the townships of Menindee, Pooncarry and Wentworth to raise awareness about the dire condition of the Darling Barker River. 
So please excuse Russell as they pipe up a few times during the interview. My name's Tuesday Brow and I'm from Turumbri on the Murray River near Echuca there. Yeah, I've got 100 acres down there and I conservation cover. It's not really a, an agricultural farm, you know. I grow trees and, and I'm a distiller, so I distill essential oils. So my whole land is full of plants that I harvest and distill. So, yeah, lo- it's a lovely <laughs> it's a lovely thing to do. Russell's eating your food. <laughs> He's about to have a go. <laughs> got a bit of meat in there. Yeah, <laughs> He's a messy eater. <laughs> and tell us about where the idea for this convoy came from. Yeah. So Carol's got the sneaky snag and her and I love boating. We're often on boats, you know, and I often take the smiggle pot and just cruise up and down the river. That's Terence's, the piratey looking one, you know. So he built that in Pomona years ago. And um, so Carol and I going sailing and cruising up and down the river and we just love it. We love meeting people and, you know, eating shrimp for breakfast and, you know, just singing on the river and loving it and enjoying the sun. And she's a botanist as well, so we always stop and look at plants. And, and you know, we do notice that the plants on the riparian zone, that, that damp zone near the rivers, are all disappearing, which is a great shame because that's the medicine and all the, the oil plants that I use and the fit, the bush food, the... You know, the, it's the larder. But anyway, I've always, you know, for many years been aware of what's been happening on the Darling. But from a distance, you know, when you're away, seeing it's a different thing, isn't it? So, um, but on the radio, I think it was some channel on the news that said that the Darling was flowing and it was all gorgeous. And I said to Carol, let's go down the Darling. You know? And in fact, how, the real story is how I, um, that this was when Ambi was built and during COVID, and we launched her just in in a bit, bit of a break in between when we were allowed out. And it, she got favour straight away. She was in the local paper, which then was caught up by Win News, which was then caught up. And I was being interviewed the day before Christmas as a good news story in New Zealand, and they said, "We see, we see that you're a bit of an activist, you know, a bit of a." bit of a go, what are you going to do next with her? And I found myself saying, well, the Darling Barker really needs a hand, you know. And then Carol and I had also said, well, apparently it's flowing, let's go and have a look. So we thought let's do that. So we came up to have a look to see where we put the boats in and we cruised in up from, um, you know, from uh, from Wentworth to Pooncary. It sort of looked fine. And then once we start... uh, well, half just before Pooncary, there was no, no water. It started getting this deep, you know, up to your mid shin. So there was less than twenty centimeters of water in it, and pretty well, aside from deep holes and some bends, it was twenty centimeters the whole way, six hundred kilometers. And we checked in and out a lot of places, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy places. We went and looked at the river and put our feet in it, and. Um, yeah. And when was this? This is a few months ago, say three and a half months ago. And that's when we realised that we couldn't take the boat from Menindee down to Wentworth. There was no way the river was navigable. And when a river isn't navigable, that means it's not flowing, it's got no connect- connectivity, and you certainly can't sail on it. I asked Tuesday what inspired her to get this convoy together. 
You know, I, I think of the Darling River and the Barwon and the Warrego of, you know, I love what David Attenborough says, and we're down to 3% of wild places left in the world. And I worry about that 3%. When that 3% disappear, when you know, what happens then? Uh, we, we lost. I, th- I think we've lost our way. So, and this is part of that 3%, the Darling River, the Darling Barker, right up through the bar and the Warrego, you know, but we're changing them so that they're not wild anymore. And so, you know, we've got the privilege here of being on one of the wild places, even though it's suffering. And what do you think the major issues that the rivers are facing? Can you, can you summarise that in one or two short sentences? Well, to get more water in the rivers, right, we need to allocate more environmental water to the Commonwealth Environmental Water Holders so they can deliver it. But then we need to look at selling of the water to overseas interests. Then we need to look at floodplain harvesting because they're just harnessing all this water. And it's a quandary, isn't it? Because if you own land, you think, that's my water, it's come on my land. But it's stopping, being stopped from getting into the rivers. So, And the river must, river must come first. Nature must come first. So there's that. And, and we need to look at the 2007 Water Act and, and the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. The plan in itself looks to me fine. It's just we've corrupted it. We've sold it down, you know, we've sold it out. And if you read, um, there's a book by Richard Beasley, Dead in the Water. My God, it makes you angry and it is a very angry book. He was an angry man when he wrote it, even though it's, look, it's, it's easy to read. But, yeah, you see the corruption, the greed. It's got to change. Now, I interviewed Tuesday on her riverboat as it was pulled in at the boat ramp at Benindi. She explains a bit more about the plans for the convoy. We've um, came and launched launched here on Friday. It was the 16th. And so we'll stay here till the 21st, just ploughing up and down the river. We're taking kids for rides this afternoon. Took some elders for rides this morning, you know. And I think just being here is important, just letting the town know that other people care other, and other river people care too, not just, not just anybody, just... The people, because we're all connected, all the river people are all connected, you know, by by the blood, by the blood of the river, you know, or the water. And how's the reception been? Wonderful. Just wonderful, you know. We feel so supported and loved and, and appreciated. Like, you know, we've had each boat has been smoked, you know, with a smoking ceremony before it went into the into the into the river. We've got water from other places to bless the bless the river with. You know, we've had didgeridoo players, we've had um Water Justice Hub, you know, especially come down to coincide with us to do um an exhibition of the People's Tribunal. It's horribly heart wrenchingly beautiful representation of all those words. Um at the same time, we've had knitting nanas and um, water for rivers protesting in Sydney near Parliament House, you know. I mean, um, and we've got oh no, 20,000 people on Facebook that are watching us going, where's that? What's this? What are you doing now? Keep posting. Don't stop. And it is tricky, you know, to, to keep the internet going, to keep the phones charged, to keep the boats ready, to, you know, yeah. But So we're doing our best. We're doing our best to keep everyone informed and and up to speed on what we're doing because there is a lot of interest and we understand that, you know, 
there's only us here with a few. We, well, we've got a kayak in our convoy today, you know. We've got an, another solar-powered kayak and we had a couple of tinnies out the other day. So even though there's not hundreds of boats on the river in a line like a convoy, we're still really happy. And when we get down to Punkeri, I think it'll be some other tinnies, you know, some other people will come with their kayaks. And then I think, so, and that's on the um, 21st we go there. So that's on Wednesday, I think. I think that's Wednesday. Um, and we'll be there for five days. And then we go down to Wentworth where I think, because you're on, you know, we're on the confluence of the Murray and... And the Darling. Tuesday was rudely interrupted by her crow. <laughs> Leave her alone. She's biting your legs. <laughs> and to keep Russell the crow happy, we wrapped it up. But not before these final words from Tuesday. You know, this is just one river. And more than likely there'll be a hundred rivers in Australia or wetlands that need, need, need attention need somebody to stand up for them. So I guess while we're on this convoy, I would like to ask anybody listening, if you've got a wetland or a river or a creek or a lake or a lagoon near you and it needs help, go and get something, go and float on it and put a sign up and join the convoy from your place. Save your wetland, save your river because we all need to be doing something in our own backyard and standing up for it. And, it's, and you know, there's so many groups and we're all slowly coming together. You know, united we stand, we must be united because we can't beat, we can't beat this system um, unless we're all united against it. That was a call to action from Tuesday Brow, organiser of the Darling Barker Convoy which is finishing up in Wentworth this weekend. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Earlier in the show, we heard from Kate McBride, and my name is Megan Williams. If you've enjoyed today's show, and I hope you did, you can leave us a review on your favourite podcasting service, where you can listen back and subscribe. You can also download this show at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri country. But this week it was recorded on the Darling Barker, online and from my home on Barkindji country. I hope you enjoyed today's show and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters.
Thank you.